Our gospel today centers on the healing of a woman who had been crippled for 18 years. From scripture, it appears that she was not crippled from birth. Her disability is not merely physical in nature. Rather, scripture further suggests that she has a spirit that crippled her. And that very spirit prevented her from standing straight. What we gather from scripture is that the underlying nature of her problem is a spiritual affliction that manifests itself physically. Far too often we as Westerners, as Americans, discount the connection between spiritual malady and its physical manifestations. Philosophically, we come to terms with this, calling it the mind-body problem, the problem of dualism. Dualism, in theory, is when the mental and the physical, or the mind, body, and spirit, are in some sense conceived of as being radically different from each other and having no interconnection. There are classical approaches to the mind-body problem. Plato is one. Plato believed that true substances are not physical bodies because physical bodies are ephemeral, but eternal forms of which bodies are just imperfect copies. Now, one problem with Plato and Plato's dualism is that he speaks as if the soul was imprisoned in the body. And there's no account of what binds a particular soul to a particular body. Yes, in classical philosophy, from Aristotle to Descartes to Locke and Hume, we'll see various interpretations and understandings on how to account for the whole person, the soul, the body, and the mind. And then we come to our faith, the Christian faith. For a fundamental tenet of our theology is incarnation. God came in the form of a human, Jesus. In the incarnation, human flesh is taken seriously. Paul talks about the transformed flesh into a body as consisting of not only flesh, mind, and spirit, an integrated self working as a whole. So in our gospel today, it is not surprising that a spiritual malady physically cripples this woman. In fact, for the doctors among us, in medicine, these types of situations are called psychosomatic disorders. Many of us face physical manifestations when our spirits are deeply troubled. Let me give you an example. In the movie Wonder, which is an adaptation of a novel by R.J. Palacio, there is a scene that depicts the connection between the spirit and the body that I am speaking of. The main character in that movie is a 10-year-old boy named Augie Pullman. Augie is a bright child. He's homeschooled for all of his life because he was born with Treasure Collins syndrome, a rare craniofacial disorder that's caused by a mutation in a specific gene. Now, TCS is rare. 
and the deformity is such that the bones and the tissues of the face do not develop as they should, especially around the cheek, the jaw, and the chin. And after years of homeschooling, Augie's family and Augie decide to enroll in a mainstream private school. And he faces the difficulties of making friends. Yet at one point, he seems to have made a friend in a boy named Jack Will. And it so happened that Halloween was approaching. And Halloween happened to be Augie's favorite holiday because he, um, Halloween is the day where he could wear a mask so he can cover his face up so that he doesn't stand out or get stared at. And that Halloween, he intended to go as Boba Fett from Star Wars. So he and Jack Will made their plans. Yet on Halloween, in a mad rush that is the chaos of his house, Augie was unable to find his costume. And so he wore another one. Now imagine the excitement of this child, this 10-year-old. He's going to go to school, his favorite holiday. A time where he is not going to stand out. And as he goes to school, the high fives are abounding. People are hugging each other. People are hugging him. Because usually, he would never get a high five. Because there was a ridiculous rumor that his genetic disease would be transmissible if he were touched. Now, with that joy and the elation of actually being greeted for the first time in his school, Augie walks into the classroom and he sees another Star Wars character, Darth Sidious. From his voice, Augie can tell that it is the class bully, someone who keeps leaving hideous notes in Augie's locker. So what does Augie do? He stealthily sits down at a nearby desk. And the kids are discussing how much Darth Sidious actually looks like Augie. They compare Augie to a shrunken head and say that he looks like an orc. The bully laughs and says that if he looked like Augie, he'd wear a hood over his face every day. And then, one of the characters dressed as a mummy chimes in and says that if he looked like Augie, he'd kill himself. Devastating. But it only gets worse. The bully asks the mummy, then why do you hang out with him so much? Augie listens intently as the mummy, who happens to be Jack Will, says that the only reason why he hangs out with Augie is because the headmaster asked him to. 
With tears in his eyes, Augie flees, for he is betrayed by the one person he thought he could count on as a friend. And his reaction to that betrayal manifests itself in literal vomit. And he sits in the nurse's office awaiting for his mother to get him. We do not know what the dispiriting circumstances that led to the crippling of the woman in the gospel is. But we do know that when our spirits are cast down, we become susceptible to hurt and pain. And many a times, this hurt and pain manifests itself in very physical and tangible ways. Like Augie, who seeks the comfort of an accepting presence in his mother and desires just to go home. The woman in the gospel is at the synagogue, opening herself to feel the presence of a living God. And Jesus sees this. Jesus intervenes tangibly in this case. As the scripture says, he leaves his teaching aside and focuses on the need of this child of God because he knows he needs to hold her head up so that she can stand up straight. The synagogue is where this beautiful woman meets the Lord of compassion, the Lord of life. And it is that Lord of life, Jesus, who responds. Friends, the mind, body, and spirit are intimately connected. I know that many of you sitting here, many of us sitting here, we feel wounded. We are wounded. For some of us, our spirits are crushed, whether it is because of distinctly personal issues or a sense of disquiet because of the affairs of our nation or our world. For some of us, we feel like Jeremiah, we feel unworthy. Yet in the midst of all of this, we come to this sanctuary to meet Jesus. In our liturgy, when we break the body of Christ, we symbolize the identification of God with all the problems and the possibilities of the world. For the veil is lifted from man's perception of a God who is distant to a God who is present tangibly, and a God who is identified with all the problems of this world. For we worship a God of pathos. This is where the, the real presence of Jesus is experienced. In the ancient liturgy of St. James, as the Eucharist is administered, the priest says, the body and blood of Christ is given to you for the health of your body, mind, and soul. Those words of administration are a reminder that we, just like the woman in the gospel today, we, like Augie, we, like Jeremiah, stand up straight because through the sacrament of Christ's real presence, we are able to meet the challenges that lay ahead of us because we walk with God. So as you come to this table 
that is made real and present, to feed on the flesh and blood of our Savior, I invite you to examine. Where do you feel incomplete? Where do you feel unwhole? What is the infirmity that you bring to the table? In whichever situation you might find yourself to be, know that right now, you are here in the right place. For God sees you for who you are. For through Christ, you are a beloved child of God. So, my brothers and sisters, the invitation is open for you to partake of the blessed body and blood, remembering in the words of our epistle today, we have not come to something that can necessarily be touched, but we come to experience the presence of Jesus, who invites each and every one of us to wholeness. Amen. <clears throat>